0: Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V Vinci, registered counsellor, relationship and family therapist and founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. Thank you and welcome for joining me. For those of you who do not know me, I am V Vinci. I am a registered counsellor, relationship and family therapist and founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. I help people rebuild healthy minds and lives by identifying core behaviours that need to be addressed in order for real lasting change to occur. I am a passionate advocate for good quality mental health well-being in order to avoid mental health problems and I encourage and empower personal growth and progress. And you know what? To be honest, my mission really is to just inspire people to live fully and authentically. This community is all about learning and connecting in a way that is far less formal than traditional counselling but is underpinned by principles that I work with in my practice every day. And each episode is available in the guide section if you're on Facebook, and also on iTunes or Podbean or Spotify. And all the links are available in the group for uh, Facebook and for the Instagram viewers. You just need to have a look in the bio and it will all be there ready for you. One of the things that I like to let people know is that the information I provide is always solidly backed up by science so that you're not simply getting my opinion which is important because there is a lot of crap out there. So I also believe that knowing the psychology behind what's happening helps you understand yourself more so that you can do something different to get a different outcome. You can do a quick catch up on where we are this year fairly quickly by watching any of the previous lives or listening to the podcast as I give a bit of a quick rundown each time and I'm sort of doing them in month blocks. So back to tonight. I have we we're, we're at the beginning of a month, so I've named the month of May. Stuff this! It's too hard, and that's because, well, really, it is bloody hard. If you think about year the years before crazy COVID began, May was always hard. Um, now May is really hard, and that's because we are far enough away from the start of our. Fun filled goal year and close enough to June and the middle of the year hub where we absolutely ask the question, what the hell happened to the first six months? And over the last month we've looked at mostly breaking promises to ourselves, so trust in essence, and how that can enable the very behaviours that causes us to break our own promises. And the embarrassment that we may feel and hide that can prevent us from doing the very thing we actually need to do, which is restart. So we would all know we need to either restart or for some, simply start. And I know that sounds funny, but for some people, they may have actually gotten to May just thinking about their goals, just thinking about what they want without actually having started anything. And so what helps us to restart? The one thing that is polarizing in my world, you either love it or you absolutely hate it. Routines and habits. Routines and habits are the key to consistency, um, which is really the key to achieving goals. So knowing how to form a habit is important. So let's look at an example with this fairly simple statement. And I'm going to focus on something that we can all relate to because I think if there's one thing most of us have given up at some point in our life, it's some form of exercise, right? So I'm not a health guru. I don't spruik health and fitness or wellness um, or nutrition. That's not my job. But I'm going to use this as an example because it's something that most of us can relate to, all right? So here's the statement. Man, I can't wait to finish this workout so I can get home and eat breakfast. Now, I think that often when I'm driving at six o'clock in the morning on my gym morning. Now, first, it might seem like I'm complaining or like the workout is a chore. But if we take a closer look at the statement, it's important because of what it isn't. It could very easily be, I'm tired and hungry and I just want to go straight home and I don't really want to do this workout. But for the most part, I actually love that gym morning. Now, I've figured out by now that I don't like it every morning. I do not like to go to the gym every morning. But when I do, it feels really amazing. But like anyone, there's days where I feel tired, hungry, grumpy, and and just generally lazy, let's be honest. Yet, I still work out on those days. In fact, I had one of those days this Monday because I only go on a Monday. Very little sleep, and I just did not want to go when the alarm went off at 5.45, but I did. And here's the first statement again. I can't wait to finish this workout so I can get home and eat breakfast. Even though it can seem like a complaint, it assumes that I'll be working out. The idea of skipping the workout doesn't actually enter my mind. And it wasn't always this way because i pretty much used every excuse in the book to get out of going to the gym. I was too hungry, I was too tired, or I totally suddenly had a very new debilitating injury that prevented me from going to the gym. The shift towards automatically working out took time, took a long time, but it happened. And it happened because I grew to appreciate the psychology of So it happened because i did more research on how to make something a habit over the long term because to be honest every time i broke a habit it wasn't necessarily the habit that was the worst part it was that i absolutely felt like shit that i just didn't finish some things that i started and i hated that feeling and i just wanted to get rid of it and when you learn the the theory of how to apply something you can apply it somewhere else. And this is something that we've been working on in in the Me, Myself and I program this week. And that's the program that I run, a six-month program now. We're in week four. And what we're talking about is applying a theory that works in one part of our life to another or questioning why we don't. Because a lot of the times, there's elements of our life that are working and we keep going, oh, but I just wish it would be, I could do this, I just wish I could do this. But... We look and go, but if you can do it in one spot, you can do it in another. We just don't seem to think that they apply the same way. So it's a really good question to ask. You'll also have real everyday, no, I want to break down the psychology of habits, right? So using some research and real world examples like, you know, exercise that demonstrate, demonstrate how to make something a habit that lasts so that by the end hopefully you'll understand the key components to how to make something a habit. Now, just a heads up, this is a pretty big topic and I am not going to be doing long lives because we've all got better things to do. So, I'm going to split it and this is this I'm going to pick this up next week as well. But we're going to start tonight with looking at the psychology of a habit. So, we are going to have some everyday examples of principles from the psychology of habits and everything you need to build habits of your own because your habit formation is focused on uh, whether it's focused on exercise or anything else, business, writing, friendships, relationships, it doesn't matter. Excellence and success are really just the result of your ingrained habits. So understanding how habits can, uh, the psychology of it can help you change them. All right, now, going back to exercise, you don't need to lift for four hours to, to get fit. You don't need to write 200 pages every day. If you want to use habits to change your life, your ability to always do something, even small, will move you forward. There is no doubt you can do that. But firstly, it's important to understand what habits actually are and what they are not. Habits are not just something you do every day. When most people think of a habit, they think something they do every day. If you were trying to start an exercise habit, you might set the goal of doing a certain number of sets or reps or running a certain distance or exercising for a certain amount of each day. If you were trying to start a writing habit, you would set a target number of pages or words per day. If you were trying to network people, you would have to send um, or set a number of events or emails per day. You get the picture. It's true that habits are frequently recurring behaviours and an X per day approach isn't automatically bad. But just doing something regularly is not enough to form a habit because that isn't how the psychology of habits works. Do you ever feel you have to make yourself do something? Do you ever feel you put your daily activity off until later in the day, even then you, and eventually you will get it done. That's how you know whether, you know, how you, that's how you know you don't actually have a habit because you have a responsibility or a nagging task or you push it away. If you want to know how to form the habit, you need to understand what they are. So I know I risk sounding like an annoying teacher on the first day of class. But I think understanding the definition of a habit is important to the overall understanding of how they're formed, but I'll keep it brief, right? There have been a number of studies on the psychology of habits, but generally it's found that it takes an average of 66 days to form a habit. So the researchers agree that habits are actions you do a lot, which is where the idea that a habit is something you do every day comes from. But this is the formal definition. Habits are behaviours which are performed automatically because they have been performed frequently in the past. This repetition creates a mental association between the situation, which is a cue, and an action, which is a behaviour, which means that when the cue is encountered, the behaviour is performed automatically. Automatically has a number of components, one of them which is a lack of thought. We don't think about it. So notice that other, the other factors that need to be present to form a habit, a habit. Repetition creates a connection between the situation and the behavior. Under this definition, you don't necessarily need to do something every day for it to become a habit. Whenever you find yourself in a specific situation, you'll find yourself automatically doing specific actions. That's a habit. That's what we want to create. It's not necessarily that you've got to go to the gym every day. It's that when you set the task and you perform a set of, um, say, like sets of steps, repetitive steps, that you follow through with the action. If you put the action off, you're actually breaking the concept of making the habit. So habit now is going to have three components. You have to have a cue. You've got to have an action. And then you've got to have a reward, okay? Now, the reward doesn't have to necessarily be external. It can be a feeling. So if I go back to my, you know, getting up to the gym, i it's automatic. I get up. I, I might be thinking I don't want to go, but I am. I know where I'm going. The actions are there. I'm putting my shoes on. I get dressed. I go and do In fact, I always have... Um, Coffee before I go, a little quick black shot black, and then I off I go. The reward is that I actually feel good after I've done it. That's it. I don't go and buy myself a biscuit because what's the point? So to be a habit, an action needs to occur regularly. So you can do it a certain amount of times, there's no doubt about that. But I find if you do it habitually at the same time on the site on the same day, you're gonna create the habit. It needs to be cued by a situation or something in your environment. So it needs to be cued as, I need to go to the gym. Or it can be that the alarm goes off at the set time every time. And it has to occur without thought. Thinking as much as, shit, I've got to shut that alarm up. But your legs get out of the bed and, and it goes. That's it. The movement is there. With that understanding of how habits are formed, it's easy to see how doing X number of push ups per day isn't actually that productive on its own. If you can instead set up your environment to make doing push ups automatic, you'll be more successful. So, to give a one sentence definition, a habit is an action you do frequently and automatically in response to something in your environment. So, with that, you will need to create an environment that triggers and rewards your habit. And I think this model is useful because let's learn how to form habits by looking at what kind of cues or actions and rewards are most effective. To do that, we'll use personal experience and primary research on the psychology of habits to answer the question, where do habits come from? Now, the answer of how to form habits is grounded in the psychology of habits. But first, we need to decide what those habits are, because choosing the right actions is really important to which habits will lead to success. Actions are where most people start and stop. Most people decide, okay, I'm going to work out X amount of times per week, or I'll write three pages per day, and then go off, and they go and try to do those things. But that isn't how to form habits that make you successful. Chances are you already have an idea of what action you want to turn into a habit. But stop for a minute and look at your larger goal. What is the ideal endpoint? What is the grand vision you are trying to accomplish? Without the answer to those, you won't be able to figure out what habits lead to success. And I think I've talked about this once before, where when I actually did start joining the gym, it was because I wanted to be fit and healthier. I didn't have any weight goals. There was no, you have to do this amount of time. There was no, you're going on a diet. It was just, you know what, I just need to be fit and healthy. And that has been the key for me to maintain because that's a big overall goal. There's no little bits in there. There's no stuff that is going to make, um, you know, let me fall off the wagon because I don't get on the scales and measure, oh, my God, I've put on a kilo or I've done this or I've done that. It doesn't work like that anymore, right? So that's probably one of the things. I had a bigger goal that keeps me moving towards what I wanted to do. Now, not everyone likes the idea of setting goals. And a lot of people want to jump ship uh, right into taking undirected action. And this often leads to burnout and can be the hamster wheel concept. Lots and lots of doing and going absolutely nowhere. The key value of goal setting in in the context of building habits is that your goals tell you which system to create so you know where you are headed. It's easy to come up with a random set of actions to accomplish every day. You need to make sure that you set the um, that the set you choose is taking you in the direction of the ultimate vision that you have. You need to know what habits make you success successful. And in my world, I speak inner success. What actions build inner success for myself or for you? We've discussed internal and external success in several of the live podcasts, so go back and have a listen. But this is something I focus on particularly in the Bust Your, Bo- uh, Bust your Blind Spots boot camp, which is what is coming up in June. So keep an eye out for that. Besides stopping you spinning your wheels and going nowhere, research so- shows that goals help you achieve more by helping you put in more effort and and Staying motivated over the long term So ask yourself. What habits are you trying to build is it habits to lose weight? Is it habits to replace drinking? Is it habits to quit smoking? Habits of a thin person habits of a fit person Habits to help you advance in your career or build a, or build a business or habits of new thinking Now, please note It's tempting to pick big, sweeping, big-ass actions when you set out to um, change a habit. Cool your jets. You're just starting. You probably aren't going to work out for two hours a day or write 10 pages. You might be able to do two push-ups or write 100 words. Once the habit is in place, you can scale up, but you do need to start small, and that's because we need to set the cues to make sure that the habit is actually what you want to set. Because it's just as easy to set a good habit as it is to set a shit one. I think we all know that concept. In fact, it feels to be a far easier to set in a, a bad habit. But one of the things with a bad habit, so often one of the big bad habits that we get is nail biting. The common denominator with nail biting is that you tend to do it at the same place, in the same format at the same time, and the biggest key, yeah, don't think about it. You know, you don't even realize you've got your fingers in your mouth until someone knocks you and says, get your fingers out of your mouth. Or when you do notice, you think, oh my God, I tried to make an effort. But the automatic nature of it is what creates the habit. We don't think. Go back and listen to almost one of the very first things I said. So choosing cues. This is how you form a habit. Most mornings, I go to the office, drop off my jacket, and head over to the coffee maker. I make a coffee, I sit down, I lean back in my chair because it reclines a little bit, and I start work. Now, what's interesting is that I don't normally drink coffee in the morning. I'm actually a tea drinker. And some days I can go all day without drinking coffee unless I'm in the office. And something interesting just happened because I created an office space at home. You'll see my new background. So now I currently have two offices, one at home and one in Esfrio. Now, what I'm finding, if I'm working from home, I pretty much do the same thing as above. I make a coffee. I don't make the decision to drink coffee every morning. Instead, because of my environment and the cues around me, I do it automatically. I feel like it's work. And when I'm at work, I do this. And when I do this, I do this. So I've kept up the habit because I'm not drinking 14 coffees a day, thank God. But I do find that once I've sat, I've made that coffee and I've sat down, it's almost like a ritual to say, Right, now you've got your head in the game. Because otherwise I can be scatty when I first start. And it took me a while to get used to, actually, I've got to work in this office. It's not like I was doing before. So in this example, there are actually a few different psychological cues that guide my behaviour. One of the first cues is going to work and walking in the door of the office. But on its own, this isn't enough to trigger the behaviour. Otherwise, I would have coffee every time I got back from lunch or every time I walked in a door. It needs to combine with the second cue, which is generally the time of the day to execute the action. I don't generally go into the office, either one of them, until around 9 or 9.30. But as soon as I walk in, either my home office or the work office, I start to get the taste for coffee. And there's actually a third cue. Sometimes I actually don't get coffee, but I still go through almost the same sequence of steps. On those days, I drink water or go and get one of a a juice type thing because there's a critical third cue missing, which is tiredness. Because sometimes internal states of exhaustion or thirst or hunger, happiness, anger, they can also function as cues for habits. So my action of getting coffee is generally triggered by a combination of going to the office, the time of day, and my own level of tired. Some days you sleep better, some days you sleep shit. Often coffee, if I'm having coffee because I'm tired, that's good. If I'm having coffee because it's habit, it doesn't mean anything really. So another fun example which we've actually used before is brushing your teeth in the morning. You don't brush your teeth every time you walk into the bathroom and you probably don't brush your teeth in bed just because it's the morning. So the cues for brushing in the bathroom It's morning and you've just gotten out of bed so the idea that environmental cues uh, trigger specific responses is a core component of research on the psychology of habits that's how habits are formed what maintains them is something called chaining that's the concept of if then when statements so these statements provide a simple formula for changing behaviors you simply pick a trigger the if and then an action, then. So examples might be, if I brush my teeth, then I will floss. If it's Wednesday after work, I will take the bus two extra stops to the gym. If someone offers me dessert, I will say no thank you. Creating these plans in advance makes it easier to follow through on them. So the exact cues and actions will be specific to your life. But the if-then structure can be really useful. It takes a little effort up front, but eventually the habit you form becomes automatic. And the trick to add to that, the best time to add a new behaviour is immediately after an established sequence of behaviours. So if you go back to the teeth brushing, you already brush your teeth. If you want to do or create something new, then attach it something you're doing already okay so like I said this is actually a pretty big topic and I'm not going to cram it in just to get it out I'm actually going to split this up because it's important to tune in next week for the topic called sounds easy what's the catch which is all about why habits are hard to change and how to change them thanks for joining me guys and I will see you next